sometimes feel that other worlds seem to exist beneath the surface of space, time, and reality. Can you picture in your head a situation where all these worlds crash down around you? Can you touch the other side? These are the tales of the macabre, the fantastical, and the supernatural, boldly influenced in depth by the powers that were, the powers that are, and the powers that will be. Welcome to Dark Charm Presents. Dark Charm Presents, Episode 1, Nowhere to Run. A woman sits in a wooden chair with her hands tied behind her back. She is blindfolded and unconscious, and there are distinct sounds of the wilderness faintly in the area. A thunderstorm is coming. Jenny Slaughter is worse for wear as her head feels like a groggy mess, pulsing like a freight train. She started to regain consciousness. What happened? Where the fuck am I? I can't open my eyes. It's pitch black. It's nighttime. It's way too dark out. I'm at home. I'm in fucking Vermont. The sound of the storm surrounding the place was almost soothing, except for the ominous fact that there was no place for her to go. It was like she was plopped directly down in a horror movie, and she had no choice but to play out her part. Days earlier, she screamed at the top of her lungs as she headed out to the highway. I'm out of here! <laughs> she strolled north on I-95 and relished in her newfound freedom. Her dyed red hair waved in the wind as she made sure that every young was rolling down. Finally got rid of my deadbeat cheap man boyfriend. Piece of shit. She needed a break from the hustle and stress of her daily life. It didn't help that she was a single mom at the end of her rope. She hadn't had a break or vacation in at least a decade, and she was finishing school to get her degree in business. Sanity, the thing that eluded her the most of all during this time, was what she needed. Finally, she decided she needed time for herself, or she was going to crack. Luck came her way in her co-worker Harry. His family had a small house up in Walls, Vermont, that she had been dying to visit. Ah, uh, Jenny, you have to see it. It's, it's amazing. It's so therapeutic. Really? Yeah. If I have a problem and I need to get away, hell, that's where I'd want to fucking go. It rejuvenates my soul to get the hell out of Baltimore for a while. Hey, why, why don't you go up there? Uh, with all the shit going on in your life, I think you'd get benefit from the trip. After what happened with my piece of shit boyfriend, I'm going to definitely take you up on that offer. This is going to be fucking awesome. He gave her the address, and without a second thought, she had packed her bags, asked her mother, who knew she was at the breaking point, to watch her kids for a week, and headed north. Winding through the mountainous areas of New York, and finally into Vermont proper, she felt like she entered into a whole new world. This was far different from the daily city living in suburban Baltimore. And best of all, it was getting her away from Terrence. The last telephone conversation she had with him basically ended with her stating, in no uncertain terms, I don't want to see your cheating ass ever again. Once Jenny got past to New Jersey and New York City, 
she found that the air quality began to change for the better. It wasn't smoggy or thick with pollution. A crispness greeted her like it was always meant to be there. She even hesitated to smoke a cigarette. She found it so amazing. But eventually, as it always does, she had to relent as the nicotine rush kept calling. After the long seven-hour trip, she pulled up to a small house that the GPS on her phone stated was Jenny's destination. She smirked as she was surprised to get even a signal from her cell phone at all up here. It was kind of weak, but still existed. As she got out of the car, she was greeted by two furry and spry chipmunks almost instantly. Wow! This is the coolest thing I've ever seen! So, uh, you guys must be like the squirrels up here, right? Don't scamper away! Fucking figures. Everything runs away from me in my life. An elderly woman walked out of the quaint little house. She was of a stockier build and sported a mane of short silver hair. She waved to Jenny from the, desk, from the deck outside. Are you Jenny Slaughter? Yes, I am. Are you, are you Miss Hogan? She walked down the steps and walked toward Jenny. Yes, Kay Hogan. I'm Harry's mother-in-law. He told me that you were coming. I wanted to make sure that everything was ready for you before you arrived. Miss Hogan, this place is amazing. I am already in love with it. Here's $200 to help with the cost of running the house. It's the least I could do. I mean, it beats staying in a shitty hotel, and it will cost much more money. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Well, I hope that this break is what you needed. Harry said that you were going through some problems. Now, I don't want to get into it. It's none of my business. But I am glad to help you out. Here are the keys to the house. She's all yours for the next week or so. Um, are you le are you leaving? Yep. My husband Sherman and I are going to Canada for the week. It's amazing what you can do when you have some money saved up, retired, and you can get out of the, get out for whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Besides. I don't think you want us hanging around two old fossils like us. Man, I envy you guys, though. My generation will never have the opportunity to retire. I'll never see a dime of Social Security, and it's going to be even harder for my little kids. As if on cue, an elderly man walked out of the house, carrying two suitcases with him. He stopped amid tracks and pointed at Jenny. Is that Harry's friend Kay? Yes, Sherman, this is Jenny. Hi, how are you? Sherman ignored Jenny, but not for lack of trying, as he simply had his hands full. He stumbled a little with the luggage. We can go now, but I want to tell Jenny a couple of things before we leave. It seemed the weight of the world was on his shoulders as he stumbled toward the red SUV parked in the yard. It was painfully obvious who wore the pants in this household. Now, Jenny, the pontoon boat out on a pier cannot go out on the lake without a license. If you want to go out on a lake, 
I recommend you take the smaller boat. It don't need no license. I don't really plan on going boating since uh, I can't swim anyway, so it's cool. Hmm, okay. We have a septic tank out back. Uh, if it flushes too much, it's going to overflow. So be careful. Now, since it's just yourself, I don't think that's going to be a problem. But, uh, you never know. The other thing is this is a very small town. Fire stations close by, if there are any problems, and some of the other villages will help if there's a big catastrophe, like Pulteney, Paulette, and Manchester. What could possibly happen up here? Here, here, here. Jenny snapped back to reality. Plenty. Plenty can happen up here. This fucking sucks. Jenny kept hearing the sound of heavy rain on the outside. Her hands were tied behind her back, and a chill ran over her. I must be in the basement. Where the fuck are my clothes? What the hell? It's fucking freezing down here. There was a tightness she was unfamiliar with on her head. It was at this point that she realized it was either a sleep mask or a blindfold. Either one unnerved her greatly. <coughs> Amidst the pelting rain, she also heard the sound of breathing. Is someone sleeping or watching me? It could be... It could be the fucking guy that did this. Hello? No one answered, but the breathing continued. She tried to pull hard on the bounds that restrained her, but it was no use. Come on. I'm a big girl. Pull your big girl panties up. Let's go. This is kind of strong. Somebody that really knows how to tie a fucking knot did this. She was sitting upright on a wooden chair. It was sturdy, but creaked loudly. Let me see if I can pull myself off this chair. Shit! My legs are tied together. How the fuck did I get here? I bet you I got roofied. Jenny was having the time of her life in Vermont. Anywhere she wanted to go, she went. Anything she wanted to do, she did. It was paradise to her. All until Terrence called her a couple of days prior. She was playing a round of miniature golf. She put down her putter and answered her phone like a glutton for punishment. Hello? Where are you? That's right. I never told you I was leaving. I'm somewhere where you never find me, and you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And I don't want nothing to do with you, so leave me the fuck alone. At this point, Jenny was glad that the reception was bad, as she only heard a couple of, the, of words from him. I... Terrence, I can't Home. fucking hear you! I... sound like a robot! I said... Home! I will... But the call dropped. Jenny smiled as she put her phone in her pocket and proceeded to finish her game of miniature golf. There were a lot of different places to play around here, and for her it was fun. She kept mumbling to herself, however, after the call. Serves his ass right to what he did to me. This cheating ass. He can do it for himself. 
After sinking her last putt, she gazed up at the mountains in front of her and reflected on the day. Man, I should move here. My kids would go crazy. <laughs> Over the next several days, she would make her way to every farmer's market, every carnival, and every town attraction near Wells. Her anxiety level diminished greatly, and she started to feel better and get a better perspective on life. On the second to last day of her beautiful vacation, she walked to the local general store down the road and opened the door. Jenny was greeted with a ringing bell, kind of like how Andy Taylor and Opie were greeted in Mayberry. She marveled at the small little store, as it had everything she could possibly need. She noticed a middle-aged blonde woman with her hair pulled back in glasses walking up to the counter to greet her. Hello, I'm Nancy. How can we help you? Hey, hon, you got beer here or wine? She pointed to the coolers on the other side of the store. Yep, plenty of it, too. We just got a shipment yesterday. There were tables inside for eating, and Jenny thought that maybe being out was a good idea. She pointed to the large menu above the counter. Um, let me get a sandwich, please. She was about to ask what kind when her phone once again went off. She motioned to Nancy. Excuse me just one second, please. Hello? Jenny, Jenny don't hang up. It's Taryn. I told you to leave me the fuck alone. Don't be like that, boo. Where are you? I am not going to tell you again. And if I told you again, you wouldn't even fucking believe me. So never call me again. Well, that's just great. You have a lot of nerve. Caught with uh, your dick in some girl's mouth. I want to beat that bitch's ass, but you know what? In the retrospect, you two deserve each other. It was then that Jenny realized where she was, talking like she was. Honestly, she didn't care who heard what she said, although Nancy behind the counter blushed. I'm so sorry. That's besides the point right now, Jenny. Your kids are calling me, thinking you're with me. It breaks my heart. To tell them, I don't know where the fuck you at. Terrence, that's fucking bullshit. You know my mom has the kids. They know where I am. I just don't want you to find me. So I don't want to talk to you because you'll try to get back together with me. And I want nothing to fucking do with you. Do they? Then why are they getting on my phone calling me trying to figure out where you at? She knew deep down he was a dumbass. A creative dumbass. But a dumbass nonetheless. Because you're not, Terrence. I've tried to let you down, but you can't get anything through your thick fucking skull. Jenny, Jenny, I swear. Leave me the hell alone. Jenny hung up the phone. She saw the blush on the poor lady's face. I'm so sorry about that. I'm just kind of going through some stuff right now. It's quite all right. What do you want on your sandwich? Um, let me get a turkey, turkey, bacon, and provolone uh, on a grinder roll, please. She grabbed the beer from the cooler and paid for her meal. She sat down at the table nearby. She looked at her beer that she had just purchased. Do you mind if I have one of these while I wait? I really need it at this point. That's fine. People do that around here all the time. Several seconds after she opened up her first beer and took a generous drink, she felt a vibration in her pocket where the phone was. She took it out and looked to see that Terrence sent a text message. It said, Uh... Now I know. I'll see you soon. She shook her head as she waited for her food. Asshole don't know shit. Bastard wasn't even sorry either. He acts like uh, he just justifies what he did. Fucking deadbeat. 
piece of shit. The kind woman brought out her food. Here you go, dear. She handed Jenny the, her sandwich. She looked at her as if she wanted to say something. Finally, she did. Is everything okay? It was kind of hard not to overhear. Um, I'm actually a little embarrassed, but I'm also surprised that you even give a shit. I'm from Baltimore, and no one gives a shit there. This is Wells, not Baltimore. And that happens sometimes with boyfriends who can't keep their dick in their pants. You should be careful, though. Ex-boyfriends also have the tendency not to listen to you after you've told them a million times that you don't want to see them anymore. Nancy pulled up the sleeve of her shirt to reveal a large scar. Oh my god, what happened? She pulled her sleeve back down as she joined her at the table. That happened during the last time. I said I didn't want him around. He tried to kill me and my daughter. That scar was from his knife that almost severed an artery in my arm. It was that moment forward. I dove into self-defense. No one was going to do that to me again. That could never happen to me. Terrence, he's, he's just not like that. He's more of a uh, chicken shit. He's kind of a pussy. He wouldn't do that to me. Nancy got up from the table and started walking away from Jenny and heading back to the counter. The look on her face was of pure sadness. That's exactly what I said. Just be careful. Nancy's words reverberated in Jenny's head as she now had to contemplate her next move. She could still hear the breathing, but now she wasn't sure if it was human or not. She felt a strange sensation as it seemed that the binds that held her hand together were being cut. Or were they being chewed on? She wasn't sure, but they were loosening. Ah! I'm free! She pulled off her blindfold to find out that it was still daylight. Or possibly a new day? She wasn't sure of the time frame. She was in the basement of the house in Vermont. The doors to the garage and the basement room were open. That's why it sounded so loud with the rain. She looked down to see what happened to the mines. <coughs> she saw an otter sitting there with his hands up in what looked like a prayer. <coughs> it was wary of her, but she swore that the little guy was a lifesaver. He must have come from the lake and wandered his way back into his room. Once she was able to get free, he scampered off back outside. Oh, my little fucking heroes. I will never look at otters the same way again. Jenny turned her attention to where the breathing was coming from. It came in the form of two comatose bodies. A naked man and woman who had to be in their 50s or 60s. Why they were naked, she thought to herself. They were downstairs placed on the couch. That was the sound she was hearing. Jenny started to panic and tried to wake them. Oh, God. Oh, oh, dear. Please wake up. Come on. Wake up! But it was no use. They didn't wake up. She tried looking for her cell phone. She glanced down onto the floor. Whoever had jumped her threw her phone to the concrete floor and smashed it to pieces. That was her only quick link to the outside world. Jenny looked up at the ceiling as she started to hear the sound of footsteps. She saw the open door to the garage and to the outside world. The rain still came crashing down into sheets, but Jenny was ready to make sure that she was prepared. She walked into the garage and looked for a weapon. There were saws, 
and other equipment for use at taking care of the grounds, but she saw a bow and arrow set and a duffel bag of croquet mallets and balls. A sinister grin came over her face. You know what? Fuck this. I'm sick of being the victim. On the walk back to the house from the general store, a news bulletin came onto the earbuds of Jenny's radio. A severe thunderstorm warning has been issued for Rutland County, Vermont, and Washington County, New York. The storm is said to consist of heavy rain, very high winds, and possibly hail. All people are said to stay indoors as possible hazards could accumulate. And now, for the national news. She turned off the radio, but she didn't need to hear the radio to tell her that a storm was coming. She could see it in the distance, as the clouds were almost as black as night. Back home in Maryland, these usually meant tornadoes or something more severe. It didn't matter that it was going to be nightfall anyway. Those clouds blocked out almost everything as they trailed over the mountain. Man, I don't run. I hate running, but I better before I get my ass wet. She got back just in time as large droplets of water started cascading down on and around her like someone turned on God's faucet and placed her underneath. She entered the house and closed the door. Jenny frantically made sure that all of the windows were up and locked. She didn't want to take any chances, especially not since this wasn't her house in the first place. No sooner than she closed to the last window, the full force of the storm hit. She stared at the window. The world, covered with drenching rain, had a sense of beauty to it. Ooh, got a little chilly. I gotta get a blanket. She walked into the living room. Even though she had been here for almost a week or so, she never turned on the television. There was always something to do, so Jenny never felt the need. Tonight, however, there was a need. She turned on the cable box and the TV. The channel was left on ESPN, and they were talking about the Patriots possibly winning another championship this new season. Harry mentioned that Kay was a Boston fan, and it was confirmed when she saw all the New England Patriots and Boston Red Sox stuff all over the house. She shook her head in disgust. Not against my Steelers or not. She became thirsty, so Jenny got up and grabbed another beer that she had just bought from the general store out of the fridge. As she closed the fridge door, a massive bang rang through the house. The power immediately went out. All she could hear was the sound of pouring rain. Damn, I've heard that. Uh, that sounds like a transformer exploding or something. What the fuck? She turned to walk back into the living room, but instead was greeted with a blunt object smacking her back of the head. She was knocked out unconscious. That led to the events occurring now. Jenny walked out of the garage and into the rain, carrying the bow and several arrows in her hand. She also had a croquet mallet for close-range confrontation. She wanted to look into the window to see just what that was that was capturing her. Inside the window, she saw a silhouette of a man drinking her beer. That motherfucker owes me a beer. I can't see what his face is like. He's got a mask on. I'm trying to make out some details, though. He was tall, slender, wore a jumpsuit, but she couldn't gauge what the mask looked like. It was still kind of dark outside, making the inside even darker. Jenny wondered if the rest of the lake residents also lost power. From what she could tell, that was also the case. She tiptoed back onto the little deck, but he turned around to see her. Jenny slipped, but managed to get up the hillside towards where her car was located. She slid in the mud and fell flat on her face. 
She turned around to find who it was that was chasing her while knocking an arrow into the bow. He wore a demonic clown mask and was carrying a hatchet. She sighed as she stood Don't move, asshole. I've used this thing before and I'll use it again. The demon clown didn't say a thing. He just waited. Jenny needed answers. Who the fuck are you? Why are you doing this? Who are them two old people down there? <laughs> he started walking closer to her. She wasn't having it. <laughs> Don't come any fucking closer to me, you bastard. He didn't listen as she let an arrow fly. She missed horribly. He swung the hatchet, <laughs> but she dodged it to her right and slammed the bow into the man's head. <clears throat> she knew this was going to get worse, so Jenny tried to stab him with one of the arrows she had brought with her. With her. <laughs> he kicked her in her stomach <clears throat> and she slammed her back into her car. <clears throat> she winced in pain and dropped the bow and arrows. <sighs> She picked up the croquet points. Come on, bitch. You better do better than that. I am from Baltimore, and I've been scared worse by fucking better. He made no sound, but breathed heavy. Maybe he didn't think that he would get such a fight from her, he thought. He tried to whack her again with the hatchet, but she threw the mallet into his crotch. When he bent over, she pummeled his ass with the head, with the head of the mallet like there was no tomorrow. Because if she didn't do it, there was He dropped the hatchet, and Jenny tackled him to the ground, this time using fists to defend herself. He kicked her off of him and turned away and started running from Jenny. A car came up the gravel way to the house. There was a car she recognized. Terrence? Terrence slammed into the clown, sprawling back onto his back. Jenny thought that might have worked, because he stopped moving. She ran up to Terrence as he got out of his car. What? What the fuck? Jesus, boo! What, what the fuck is this? She interrupted him with a punch to the face. <laughs> then she pulled him to her and kissed him deeply. And slugged him again afterward. <laughs> fuck you! Thank you so much. And fuck you again! Terrence didn't say a word at first but just looked at the man that was laying on the ground being drenched in rain. Uh, 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 what? What happened? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. She walked over to him and pulled his mask off his face. It was someone she had never seen before. Someone she never knew. The police showed up when Terrence called. Apparently... The demon clown was a local man who just finally snapped. His name was Oliver Hayes. He was a xenophobe, and he was notorious in the past for the hating, cursing, and harassing tourists. The locals usually kept him in line, but this time apparently he had enough. The two people that were in Kay and Sherman's basement were his own parents. He had drugged them with propofol and sent them down there so that he could do his dirty work. Jenny was only out for a few hours. That was all Oliver needed. Oliver confessed to killing several tourists and throwing them into the bottom of Lake St. Catherine nearby. That explained why some of the vacation houses were vacant for years. He allegedly killed eight people. Jenny would have been number nine. As for Terrence, they never got back together, even though Jenny thanked God every day that he came up and helped save her life. Jenny went back home to Maryland, and now she has a new and fresher lease on life. Ah, uh, you know what I really want? 
You think I could get an otter for a pet? The end. I'm Danny Atwell. I served as the director, and I also played the voices of Harry Osgood, uh, the killer clown, and uh, Sherman Hogan. I'm your narrator, Daniel McCloskey, the voice of the gatekeeper. I'm Michael McCauley. I'm the voice of Terrence Reynolds and Kay Hogan. Hi, y'all. I'm Stacey Atwell, and I'm the voice of Jenny Slaughter. I am Amanda Kavanaugh, and I play the voice of Nancy Eves.